Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Welcome to Problem Solved, a Startup to Scale mini-series co-hosted by myself, Jordan Buckner, and Aaron Gilmore, founder of Brass Roots. Now, Aaron, most brands I talk with are on the search for profitability, mainly because the financial markets have really dried up for all companies, but primarily CPG brands right now. But you know, in my opinion, this is something that brands should have been looking at doing all along to a degree to really build a foundation for their business. But you know, you're on that journey now with brass roots. And I know you've achieved some profitable months with your business. So first off, congratulations on those. Second, I love to learn kind of what it took to really get there. Yeah. Thanks, Jordan. First of all, I feel, you know, the headline of like we hit the profitability in the first quarter of this year. And that was great. I will say the several months leading up to it took and maybe even extend that to like a year leading up to it was painful. You know, there are a lot of decisions that I contemplated frequently reached out to mentors to talk through, but ultimately what got us to profitability was extreme focus. And the focus came down to focus from a product and product line perspective, and even a skew perspective, flavor choice, for example, and size choice as another example, and then also focus from a sales channel perspective. And ultimately it was pure calculation of what is getting us currently the most profitability from a product line, skew and channel perspective. And that led us to make a lot of decisions thereafter that created profitability for us. Let's break down each of those. I think there's some really rich stuff there. So I think one thing that you mentioned is around focus on profitability, right? It's like this idea you have to begin with profitability in mind to, in order to get there, unless you're one of the lucky few that just stumble upon making money. But for the most rest of us, that doesn't really happen. And so what are the things that kind of prompted that mindset shift in getting to profitability? Yeah, it was necessity. At the end of the day, it was me seeing what was going on in capital markets for small businesses and knowing that ultimately we had to start putting place pieces into place at that moment, which was really, you know, February, early this year, mid-January, February, where we'd be profitable for several months in the case that we couldn't access any capital for that period of time. And I should really say it was more November, December of 2022 when we really started to put those pieces into place. So that mind shift, ultimately, it was a survival mindset. That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, I think this journey of building and running a CPG brand is wild, right? Like with T-Squares, I remember we had a growth mindset. We raised a couple hundred thousand dollars, but at the end of the day, like we were losing hundreds, we're spending and losing hundreds of thousands of dollars every year. And well, you were like, that took a mental toll on me just getting there and then realizing, you know, we went out to raise another fundraising round. The market at that time wasn't quite where it allowed us to raise as well. And I was the same way. I was forced kind of into the getting to break even and having to make decisions to get there. Yeah. And, and you know, I found myself so over the past few years, always looking very far ahead. Oh, the costs, you know, are scale will bring us reduced 
cost of goods sold over the next year to two years to three years, we'll get to the margin profile we want, or we need to spend now and applying this cost of acquiring this customer by two years down the road, we'll have this many customers and the business will be in great shape. The mindset shift is really looking at today. Like instead of doing three-year models, which I always found to be silly, I'm doing weekly cash flow modeling. That's what I'm doing. And that's what I think it's a really hard thing to do, but it's ultimately going to set you up for better decisions and sustainability. Yeah. Right. And it comes to like building that foundation where, you know, as best you can, all the dollars going out and all the dollars coming in. And I really like that you mentioned the piece on margins and the fact that margins don't increase in the way that you expect them to with scale because you have other expenses that come in at scale as well. And so I do the same thing. I recommend start with the margins you need from the beginning. If you can't get there, don't expect that they're going to come later. Yeah. I think to add to that, I think once you calculate your costs today, just add 10% because you're probably off by at least 10% when you can you know, calculate shipping or anything like that, right? You might as well just add 10%. Well, and then there's inflation, right? We've experienced that in the food industry, just like everything, all the prices growing up from commodity costs to shipping to corrugate, right? Like every time you go to buy an ingredient, the price could fluctuate. You can't fluctuate the price of your sacha and cheese seeds like by the week. (laughs) So you're going to absorb that change. Yeah. well, I mean, along with that as well, you know, you, you mentioned this as well. So right, reviewing your products and channels to find unprofitable product lines and cut them. So I know I've known you for a long time. You've had some really delicious, unique products over the years, and not all of them are with us today. Can you walk through kind of the thoughts and decisions around that? Yeah, yeah. We cut. It's a long story of why this product line existed, but we had a high protein puff line and it used a little bit of sacha and cheap protein to get the protein up. But the minimum order quantities for that are huge. Basically, every time I wanted to run that product, I was spending at least 200 grand, which is unsustainable for a small business. We don't have that balance sheet. Not only that, but my cost on that product from the the year in which I developed it to the year in which I discontinued it, my cost had risen at least 30%, which is also unsustainable for a small brand. So my margins were razor thin. And then the last piece though, is just, it was our business had changed into really a Satya Inchi forward company. We wanted to own this niche of Satya Inchi. We wanted to pioneer it. And the puffs were a little bit of a separate consumer, a little bit of a separate product line in a super competitive category. And so in hindsight, when I say it like that, it's like, well, yeah, you should have made this decision three years ago. Right. But it's just not that easy in practice. But ultimately, we ended up, you know, discontinuing that product line and it's helped tremendously. It also had a separate warehouse, a separate manufacturer that's added shipping costs and storage costs. In the I mean, yeah, that's so hard because as founders, right, we get into this because we have an idea for a product, something that we love. And we just want to bring that out into the world. And it sucks when the reality is that it's too expensive or that the customers are too expensive to reach at scale. And a good product doesn't make a good business all the time. And right. a lot of times you have to make those tough decisions. And I hear you've done that. How about channels? Are there any channels that you found to be more profitable or better for you than others? Yeah. Yeah. So we ended up really focusing on Amazon because it's a super low friction marketplace. People are shopping there. It's like the biggest grocery supermarket 
in the world and everybody's shopping there at once. And so that's why we wanted to go to low friction because we already have a high friction, meaning high barrier to entry product or high barrier to purchase product because people don't know Sacha Inchi. So we focused on Amazon. We'd also been growing there and we found customers were naturally going to Amazon to find us when we were first introducing our brand and our products to them. That's where two thirds of them were going to find us. And so we just leaned into that at the end of the day and said, you know, if we're trying to funnel everybody to our website, we probably have a third of the sales. So we need to push people to Amazon. And that has ended up helping us pretty tremendously. Like as an example, our subscribers basically quadrupled during the few months where we switched our focus from our website to Amazon, simply because people are used to purchasing on Amazon and they know and trust the subscription system there. They don't have to put in a credit card, things like that. So that gave us visibility. We now have more visibility into future revenue streams, right? Because people are subscribing at that rate. And so it's worked out very well for us on Amazon. Yeah. I mean, I'm very pro Amazon myself as well. I think just in terms of the transparency with like the numbers and being able to see all the costs, right? Amazon can be expensive, but it's comparable to a lot of retail channels, right? It's expensive compared to your own D2C from a cost standpoint, but it's comparable if maybe not more inexpensive than selling in retail because you actually can see those costs coming. Yep. And, you know, the other thing is brands should keep in mind that you can get a brand, you know, Amazon has the brand referral fee basically. So you can recoup 10% of their referral fee if you're pushing traffic from off Amazon sources, influencers, Instagram, whatever it is, you can get 10% of your margin back uh, through this program with Amazon. It's really just them trying to get more traffic from your websites ultimately, but it's still that 10% is a big deal. Yeah. And as you mentioned as well, right? Like I always tell tell other founders, go to where customers want to buy your product. If you try yeah. to deviate them on another path, as you mentioned, you're going to lose maybe two thirds of them just because of the friction there versus, you know, I look at myself as a consumer. If I hear about a product, I go into Amazon and I'm like, oh crap, 30 seconds later, I already bought it. Right. Like I don't have the time to regret my purchase because it's so easy to buy. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so love that. And then I mean, I think the other areas is right reviewing your business structure, how you're producing your product, your SGNA, your sales and general admin expensive overhead. What changes did you have to make in brass roots there? Yeah, yeah. You know, we had to cut our team down, just straight up cut our full time team down. So that came in by about you know forty percent, basically a little bit more, forty percent on a dollar basis. And these are people I really liked and like their quality of work. We just, you have to unfortunately decide, is the business going to stick around or am I going to be, do I never want to fire anybody and never want to let anybody go? And, you know, I evaluated every component of our business and how necessary it was to the strategy over the next six months, rather than like the strategy three years down the road. So we made a lot of good decisions and necessary decisions, I would say. And, you know, a lot of these things, we also dropped agencies third parties. So we don't have a retail broker anymore because it doesn't align with our strategy, right? Our near-term strategy. I'm not trying to get into 10,000 retail doors in the next year. It's just not going to happen. I'm not set up to do that. And so we don't have that. We actually currently don't have an online agency either. So we've actually been in the near term been bringing Amazon knowledge in-house and doing that all in-house. So we're just extremely, extremely streamlined. And I, you know, I've had to learn new things 
which actually brings some fun, additional fun things back into the mix, quite honestly. And uh, yeah, we had to slim it all down. Those cuts can be really tough. I've been in that situation myself. I had to let go of employees and it's a big challenge. I know a lot of founders will buyer too slowly, in fact, as well. And because it comes from a place where I like this person, they're doing good work is not them. It's the business. Like it's not them, it's me, but it's the business. And that's really tough. And as long as you do that gracefully and with dignity and with respect and don't kind of spring it on people, then, you know, of course it's going to suck for them, but in the end of the day, they're going to be understanding. They'll move on to what's next and what they need to do. But as you mentioned, like those changes and those cuts from personnel to agencies are definitely necessary if your business is going to continue to survive and to eventually thrive. Yeah. The other thing, Jordan, I think worth mentioning real quick as I've thought about what, how we got to this point and mm-hmm. have been able to achieve that, you have to find every partner is super critical, like even your 3PL is really important because at a certain point, things aren't going to go exactly how you planned. And so you want to have good relationships with the people that matter at your 3PL or, you know, you're certainly your manufacturer, if you're co-manufacturing to the point where you can ask for help or like, Hey, give me a little bit of time to pay this. Or, you know, I think having those good relationships with and where you're communicating and you're updating people on everything and what you're doing to improve the business is critical because you'll need those relationships at some point too. And we have. I think that's so important to make and right. Like if you're asking for extra terms or a little bit of reduction, of course, they're not going to love it, but they'd rather get their money eventually than never at all. And so I think those are key. Now, I think one of the challenging parts in this space is that getting to a point of profitability is it's great, but growing the CPG brand is also really expensive because of the fact that most people who buy products don't buy it indefinitely. So there's always going to be attrition. So if you're not adding customers, then your revenue is going to kind of change over time. Tell me about your thoughts on like, what does it take from at the next step if you want to grow your brand once you kind of hit that profitability step? Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I've had some conversations with other founders in this arena and the clear sentiment and realization I've had is that you can't, especially if you're small, but even if you're big, if you're a brand and you're a consumer-facing brand, you can't rest on your laurels, nor can you rest on your existing customer base, right? And where you can just assume they're going to be there for you and keep, because you are fighting against huge budgets from other brands and other emerging brands that are fighting for your customers all the time and their attention. And ultimately, you will people will churn, your customers will churn. And so you certainly have to keep uh, in the long run and even the medium run, you have to have enough money to be marketing to your existing customer base and new customer base. It's just, it's not going to work in the CPG space and the, the consumer facing brand space, if you're not spending much money on marketing, which we haven't been doing, you know, we've started to do again. I think all brands have to, at some point, be reinvesting in their brand in that respect. Yeah, right. Like it's building that strong business foundation, but you need to have the margin to spend on growth. That's ideally, I mean, it has to be higher than the cost of acquiring those customers, right? Like even if that's squeaking out a thin 
margin after that, you have to be able to keep adding. That's so key. Aaron, thanks so much for talking about profitability. One thing I always advocate for brands is to build to that point of profitability first, if you can, and then decide how you want to grow the business from there. Either if you have the cash flows, continue to build it. If you want to take on debt to grow, you have that option or you can take on equity, uh, but at least it gives you a couple more options because this is it is an expensive business. And if you want to build a large company or a growing company, then you need money from somewhere, either your customers, a bank or investors. And so make sure that you know, as much as you can, you can help control that destiny. Yeah, 100%. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Aaron.